This podcast is brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. BankInfoSecurity.com is your source for the news and views shaping security and risk management within the finance space. AML concerns heat as FinCEN warns U.S. institutions to scrutinize accounts held by foreign political figures. And the unofficial release of an FFIEC draft about online authentication guidance opens regulators to more feedback and criticism. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, here with the Week in Review for Friday, March 4, 2011. Political upheaval in Libya and Egypt spurred the Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network to issue alerts last month, recommending U.S. banking institutions closely monitor accounts held by foreign political figures in Libya and Egypt. These alerts hammer home the point that recent global unrest calls for banks and credit unions to turn up the heat on their own anti-money laundering practices. Specifically, transactions involving senior foreign political figures that could be connected to illicit activity, money laundering, terrorist financing, and or other violations must be reported. The FinCEN alerts also note institutions' obligations under the USA Patriot Act to monitor and report any suspicions of money laundering related to private banking accounts held by non-U.S. citizens. Hugh Jones, the CEO and president of AML Solutions provider Acuity, says banking institutions may be challenged to meet those requirements, as language barriers, outdated account screening practices, and a lack of automation in fraud detection create obstacles that must be overcome. It's hard to screen in a micro-categorized way, Jones says. There are enormous operational difficulties, which makes it hard to catch everything. And if a good PEP, politically exposed person, suddenly becomes a bad PEP, what protections can you put in place? Now, after this short break, I'll be right back with more news highlights from our week. Are you responsible for your institution's compliance program? Do ATM fraud, ACH fraud, and online fraud keep you up at night? Do you have any certifications which require continuing professional education credit hours? The solution to your problems may be the BankInfoSecurity.com Educational Webinar Library. You'll find plenty of courses that align with your core responsibilities. Visit BankInfoSecurity.com for more information on how to access these webinars. We learned this week that expected updates to online authentication guidance issued by the Federal Financial Institutions Examination Council were inadvertently leaked after one of the FFIEC's five regulatory agencies posted the pending guidance on its website. Now industry pundits wonder when and if the actual guidance updates will officially be issued. Did the posting slip delay the actual issuance? Some in the industry, like IT security attorney David Nevetta, say it is possible. From a public perspective, seeing a draft of what's being proposed helps us know what the regulators are thinking, Nevada says. But it could pose some problems for the actual guidance, he adds. Since regulators now have more critics who will inevitably compare the drafted guidance with the final guidance when it's published, a disclosure like this could make it more challenging for the regulators. And we wrap up the week with a look at multi-factor authentication. At a time when U.S. banking regulators are on the verge of handing down new authentication guidance, Rick Ferguson of Trend Micro says banking institutions are not authenticating the right things. Here is Rick Ferguson. But the real problem is that we're not authenticating the right things. What we're doing is we're authenticating the person. So the person is proving that they are who they say they are by use of multiple factors. Um, but when I say authenticating the wrong thing is, what I mean is we, we sit in front of our computer, we open a browser, we connect to our banking website, 
uh, we enter our username, certain digits from our password, and then our one-time code. And at that point, we establish a secure tunnel between the client and the financial institution, and any transactions take place within that, that privileged uh, tunnel, if you like. What we need to remember is that malware has evolved to the point where it can sit inside the browser of the infected computer and intervene with any transactions that we make, even if it's in a secure tunnel. That's this week's Week in Review. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten. Have a great week. This podcast has been brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.BankInfoSecurity.com.